Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses and moving completely free from inhibition. And today we have a very special guest. This is Faria Doctor, and I'm going to welcome her. And please, Faria, tell us more about your background. Tell us more about what inspired you to, to share this unique approach of movement with people. Oh, well, thank you. Candia, I just want to thank you for inviting me and creating this environment of thought and creativity. So thank you very much. Um, as, as you mentioned, Faria Doctor, I'm in Canada. Uh, I live near Niagara Falls in Ontario. And uh, I became a Feldenkrais practitioner in two, well, I started studying in 2000 as a Feldenkrais practitioner. And I think when I did, when I studied, it transformed my way of thinking about myself as a human being. It really shifted my sense of identity. And you had asked me about something that had happened to me um, when I had my baby and that I had uh, injured my back. Yes. So, you know, I'd, I'd had, a, had a baby and I was taking care of my son and I went to pick him up out of the crib. Yes. And I had sudden shooting pain in my back and I collapsed. I actually passed out. You passed out. I passed out. <laughs> so I, I had a background of um, massage therapy. I have, uh, you know, a, a background in understanding human anatomy. I took, I had a bachelor of science. I did a lot of biology. So I understood some aspects of health and well-being and posture and alignment and all of that. But it didn't help me in this particular situation because in this particular situation, I was very stressed out. Yes. And that triggered this, this aspect of, of pain and injury that made me wonder what, what caused me to do that? What happened? Am I uh, injured permanently? Am I broken? Or did I do something? Did I do something unconsciously to injure myself? Yes. And so that was the exploration. You know, uh, the Feldenkrais training helped me see myself from a different lens. And so we all come into this world with parents and expectations and ideas of who we are and who we're going to be. And that gets held in our body. Yes. In the way we carry ourselves in the world. And I'm a little person. And I wanted to be strong and forthright and know what I was doing, even though I felt very insecure. <laughs> I wanted to show people that I was in charge. And so I carried my body in a very particular way. And I carried my back in a very particular way, right? Yes. <laughs> that, that insecure holding caused me to injure myself. Yes. 
when I realized they didn't have to be holding myself like this and to know that I was doing it in the first place was a revelation and and it was a startling revelation as well because when you start realizing you don't have to hold your body in that particular way you wonder well who am I who am I what is the identity like what what where can I hold myself in this world like it's like the way you described that that you had like this attitude of showing up and letting everybody know that you were in control and in charge like reflected in in your low back and it was like oh yeah I also have attitudes in certain areas of my body and and then like realizing that wow like you don't need to be injured or broken to actually injure yourself or to actually create a a way of holding yourself in the world that can lead to real chronic pain to the point of passing out. Like you don't need to have like an herniated lumbar disc to pass out from pain. It's enough to have (laughs) a, a certain attitude in your posture towards the world. And for me, that's, a huge re- revelation because it's so true. Like I, I, I testify, I, I, I sign that <laughs> it's true because I've lived, I've carried myself that way, and finally led to real injuries and real problems. And I believe that what you are articulating is a, a widespread disease on our our culture. It's a, it's something that. It's the way that we interpreted our home, early home environment, upbringing, culture, education, on how we should be in the world instead of asking ourselves how do we want to be and how could we manage to do that because that would require a unique approach, not a co- not following the cookie cutter template from our parents and grandparents and generations, but I don't have the solution and you have the solution actually, because you (laughs) took yourself out from that low, like. I did, I did, I took myself out of it. I mean, I went back in and out of it, but eventually I found myself understanding that that position was a real place of holding of tension of, of holding myself you know and and as you as you grow older yourself your your self-image might change right yes. you have these different experiences different jobs different different things that come into your life that actually shape grow morph your your sense of who you are and the people around you will influence that as well. You know, our self-image isn't just us thinking about who we think we are. It's us thinking, what do, what do we think other people think we are, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's not just an internal, but it's an external experience. It's an interplay of the world and our own interpretation oh. of the world, right? Uh, like so, a relational interface 
So yeah, it's it's yes. not only that I hold myself like this in order to be able to be upright sitting on a chair and not like a caterpillar in the floor. <laughs> but like I, I hold myself this way because I want to be mirrored by, I want to be seen and mirrored. And a, and a devastating aspect of belonging, like in, at least in my family, is that you need to have a certain look alike, like, like the nose is like the mother, the mouth is like the father, the posture is like the posture that we all have. And in my background, I uh, come from a very strong, uh, the opposite of patriarchy, it's matriarchy. Well, like woman, very strong woman, but like strong also in the neg negative sense, like uh, in a softness depleting way and pleasure depleting way. Like the only, the only area where you were allowed to have some delight was in work. So, so like, at, at least you have permission to work. But then like, what happened with playfulness, with joy, with sensitivity, with feeling, owning the tiredness when you're having your period and all that stuff. And I'm sure that, that if at an early age, I would not match in that template, I wouldn't have that sense of social belonging, but that is what leads to problems on the long run. So, so I love that you mentioned that you got out, but it was a process of going in and out, in and out, in and out. So this to say, like, also the audience, like, don't be hard on yourself. Like, transformation processes are processes. And I believe that's something very unique about the Feldenkrais method that is less goal-oriented and more process-oriented. And the process is what leads to a great to a great goal. Yeah. So yes, it really is. And it can be so transformative. I I actually have a story about a client who um, had been seeing me for a while and was having a lot of physical discomfort uh, in different places in her body and was in turmoil, a lot of anxiety, um, just, oh, just overwhelmed with the world, overwhelmed with life. And then uh, she took part in a Feldenkrais festival online, which involved, I think, two lessons a day online for a week. And she decided that she would take some time off and do all the lessons and take part in the conversation after. So she had about five solid days, two lessons a day of Feldenkrais. She came in to see me for her scheduled appointment. And, and I think she had pre-scheduled the appointment. So she just came in to see me and she was a different person. Wow. She had, she, she had, she didn't have much pain. She really just wanted just a general sort of tune-up. <laughs> it's sort of a funny thing to say, but it's a way of tuning in to the body. But she looked different. She carried her body differently. She even dressed differently. Like there was, and the conversation was about possibility. I could do this. I could do that. I could imagine this. I could, you know, life is good. 
Life is good. So she became, she embodied a different identity from doing, you know, a whole series of lessons. It shifted her and she could see herself. Her self-image changed. She could see herself in a very different way because now she wasn't in a little box. She had a room with windows. Yes. She had possibilities awesome. and space to be creative and to be herself and not be, you know, held by responsibility and constantly trying to uh, measure up to other people's standards. Yes. So it can be so transformative when you can, when you can find, and I call this finding home in your skin. In your skin. You find home inside yourself. And this can be very difficult. Pandio, we were just talking about this idea of people searching for pleasure and happiness and uh, satisfaction by objects or certain activities. Like they need that holiday in the sun in Mexico, or they need that car or they need whatever they need something to make them feel a sense of oh i feel pleasure now i i feel good i feel happy yes. but that, that it's so it's short-lived we all know it's short-lived because there's always the next thing that we need <laughs> and so i mean it's good to have experiences i don't uh I don't fault anyone for wanting things and wanting to find pleasure in objects. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. But if it's a place where they're searching for some sense of meaning connected to themselves, that's when it can sometimes become faulty. How do we feel comfortable in our own skin and and the movement lessons help us come into ourselves and, and say hello to our our inner being that inner self that really uh, wants to be happy say, and wants to express right yes. how to say hello to our inner being that wants to be wants to express and for me it's like Ooh, so impressive that this lady she was boxed in the box of responsibilities and and like this societal ought to be in a certain way and uh, i call it the categorical imperative like you ought to be this way to fit in and the problem is that that's not even enough to to comply or to fit in or to get the standing ovation in the society that's not enough and and the suffering won't make you excel in performance, if that's what you're after. And so revealing that this lady, in in a just two sessions a day for five days, she really went into this transformation through Feldenkrais. But it was like a like a coming back home where she could tap possibilities. Yes. And when you have possibilities, you can choose. Well, and if you're in a box cage, you're not choosing. You're you're stuck, boxed there. So so that's that's not true responsibility. To be responsible, 
you need to make decisions and you need to own the consequences and and acting to to be accountable to that consequence is where responsibility comes so for me it's like like a whole revelation that this lady actually tapped into this maturity of self when when she embodied like she was a different person but actually she was a different person to the box one that she was and this person that i can perceive she is now it's more of herself it's herself at home but like like with the idea of of our societal idea of of pleasure that you go to the holiday you fly all the way to mexico come hi say hi to me just looking for pleasure and it's going to be short-lived and the problem is that you're flying away to get a sense of home to get a sense of fleshly pleasure of fleshly well-being to to feel good you go to get the extra frothy frappuccino at the starbucks because you want to sense something <laughs> your flesh and it's shortly it's just like, like a little taste of how being in coming home in your flesh would be and so interesting that this yeah. is actually like it's it's not something like super esoteric but it's actually like well described in in the concept that you mentioned of the self image like this the, it's a, the image of that we have of ourselves like how how you look in the mirror but also how you are perceived in the world and how you carry yourself in the world and here comes one of my favorite quotes of of everything that i read secretly on your website that is movement in ways of being oneself so movement has to do with the choices that you make that are expressions of yourself that are ways that you are like yeah being box it's not who you are it's one of your ways of being and when you move differently then you will be able to choose like you can be boxed if you want but not because you have no other choice but for people that don't yet have other choice but to be boxed what's what's the first step how how can someone Yeah, when you feel when often when people feel trapped in a situation and they see no options, usually it's because there are some there are a lot of assumptions that are being made. Assumptions. They're, assumptions. Right? They're assuming a lot of things about themselves. That so a lot of times people box them, box themselves in on their own. No one's doing it to them. They're doing it to themselves, right? Yeah. We are doing it to ourselves. We are, by making all sorts of assumptions and telling ourselves all sorts of stories that put us in that place, a restricted place. 
So I've been thinking a little bit more about thought and how do we how do we think about the world and how do we think about ourselves? And we might say, well, I, I, I won't do that because they won't like that or they, you know, they'll probably think I'm doing this or I'm not acting the way I should be acting. Well, those are, that's an internal process that you're sharing with yourself, but you don't know it's true. Yes. Right. So that this idea of, of exploring when, when you move in different ways that are unusual, it somehow taps into a different way of thinking. Movement and thought are together. And when wow. we're babies and we come into the world, we don't know ourselves until we move. Our eyes are moving, our tongue's moving. Our first point of contact is that that feeding, you know, the tongue and and reaching, but not really knowing where our boundaries are. Where's our back? Where's our where are where's the side of our head? Well, how do we know these things until we make contact with the external world or with our mummy or daddy, yes. right? Yes. And so as we learn we are learning through movement and contact and our experience with the, our internal experience, but also how we interact with the outside world. Um, so by moving in different ways, doing Feldenkrais lessons that make you think about yourself in a different way, without judgment. Without judgment. With this open, open framework of what is happening when you lift an arm, are you holding your breath? What's happening when you roll to your side? Do you tense your, do you tense something? Or do you just fall to one side? What do you do with your body? And when you unpack those patterns and give yourself permission to move in a very different way, you're also giving yourself permission to think in different ways. Okay, for example, I had a client who, uh, she's an artist she had a very strong neurological injury and it was really affecting her ability to walk and uh, so we've been working for a while and helping her with movement and with walking doing all these different movement lessons i was taking her through with my hands and she said one day she said you know i've never been able to visualize an image and, and then paint it. And I can do that now. Wow. And yeah. I was like, wow. You know, I wasn't I wasn't planning that. Her body did that. Her body was, did that. Something happened with her visual internal sense of being and artistry. And now she could see something in her head and paint it. And so that was a revelation for her because she had never been able to do that before. So here's this like this elusiveness about the method that it not only changes our comfort within ourselves and who we are and our ability to shift our self image in response to different situations. We don't have to always be a certain way when we're in the, when we're talking to Diff maybe we have different groups of friends for professional friends and um, our book club and our singing group or whatever. We might be a little different with each group.
because we have that flexibility of expression. And I think that's okay. It's okay to have a flexibility of expression in the way you present yourself in the world. Yeah. And uh, so this idea of movement and thought and expression, it can really sometimes change a person's way of being that is really beautiful. Now, sometimes it happens and the person doesn't like it. They recoil. That can happen. So I've, I've, I've had, I had a situation where I was helping a man with back pain. He, and he had a lot of uh, back pain, but the way he was standing was in a really, uh, uh, what's the word? A, um, a deflated, disempowered way. You know, the tail was tucked under, the head was down all the time. He was in this disempowered kind of position in yes. his body. And he carried that with him. And he had a lot of trauma in his life. So he carried it in his body. It showed up. He had a, a number of lessons with me. But one lesson, he suddenly found the arch in his back. Wow. He found wonderful curve and he felt like his butt was sticking out and his chest was lifted and he was walking after the lesson and he's like I feel really like you know proud and I feel like hot but also he felt a sense of arrogance mm, okay his idea of arrogance was coupled with that posture that was not bad at all so that right so that posture Well, that I saw that that way of being in his body that I saw looked perfectly normal to me. It wasn't outrageous. It was a normal person walking. Looking he couldn't good. hold it. He, he couldn't rejected it. Ah, it was he rejected it. It was it was too different from the way he was it with himself and with others. It was so different well, that it actually caused him to say, well, I can't, I can't walk like this. I just can't do it. He defaulted back. So he went right back, but he had a glimpse of something different. Yes. He had a glimmer and, you know, who knows, maybe it came back once in a while. Maybe it, you know, when, when we, when we have a lot of trauma in our life, It sometimes you need to come at it from different directions to change your comfort with carrying your body in a different way. The flexibility that you mentioned. That flexibility, yeah. And and we have to feel safe. You have to feel, safe. Have to feel safe. Yeah, because maybe that maybe once as a kid he was upright and his kid he his father beat him up for for being arrogant and then he connected like that social that way of being in the world as a way that would lead mm. to abuse or trauma and and whatever so getting out of of a box it's a it's getting out of the box to come back to the home of who you are takes perhaps a boldness but not not as a brutal boldness but but maybe the boldness of the flower that blooms 
and yes. <laughs> maybe the boldness of curiosity and exploring without like completely maybe leaving <laughs> the box at once like okay I, I have one arm in the box but let me see what is out there and that that may, makes me connect with the possibilities of this lady that, that made the, the intensive like then when you build possibilities for yourself you are safe because you can choose and you can even if, if you're visiting your father then you can go to the box and visit <laughs> visit the the father in your hunchback <laughs> position so yes. there is no problem so so it it means also adaptability and i believe that there is so much trouble with two things one movement and and the other is pleasure because of this you you said something like amazing that is you cannot know yourself if it's not because of movement and yeah like a baby like uh, i remember when i was a teenager when i grew up i was crashing with the chairs and with the with everything because i was not used to my new size like <laughs> i was taller and bigger and curvier and it was like i <laughs> And my my self image was was changing, but I found my my real length through through movement and contact. But when when you said movement, I was like, I, I'm not sure if people that are listening us are gonna get it because they think movement as yeah, you go to the gym to to get your wellness movement yeah. and you do your crossfit. Or you, or even if you're a runner, like, yeah, that's movement, but it's like an extremely coded movement. Of, of well, it's a task. It's it. I would say movement can be a task. Yes. You know, task oriented, like getting somewhere, getting something done. It's not a qualitative experience. It could be a quantitative experience. It's like how much can I get done in the day? How many things can I tidy up? It, it, it's very task oriented task often task oriented um activities don't um it, it can be very difficult to attend to because we're trying to get a lot done and that's part of being human that's yeah. part of being human when we have opportunities to be aware of our movements so that's i think one of the reasons why people are love meditating or love doing yoga or love doing Pilates is because they're being asked to tune in to something else, to their breath or uh, their direction of movement. They're, they're asked to tune in rather than tune out. Yes. Rather and, than and that is, a, that's a beautiful thing to be able to in our busy lives, to be able to have a moment to tune in. It doesn't have to take a long time. You don't have to go for a big, long retreat. I mean, do it if you'd like to. Um, but tuning in just is a matter of sensing inward. It's just a matter of noticing, well, what am I doing when I'm talking to you with my hands? How am I shifting weight over my feet? Can I be here and talk to you and still be inside my body? Yeah. So there are different levels of tuning in to the self to understand movement. Movement doesn't have to be big. 
you can move movement can just be the eyes yes. right right so when you're thinking you're sitting you're sitting in your chair you're thinking but you're still moving movement and thought your eyes will go someplace to think you will do this right you'll look up and think oh i'm looking for something so movement can be as simple yes. as the eyeballs turning in the sockets yes and noticing differences in where you tend to look during the day when you're searching for thought and ideas so you tend to when you're thinking when you're thinking you look up to the left or to the right which is your right side that's I, your right side no this is my right side but i i think that i think better to if I put the eyes to the left and to the right. So what you can do here, let's do a little movement lesson. Yeah. Okay. So you're just going to just notice your eyeballs. Just see if you can find quiet, quiet eyes so that they just settle into your sockets. You're not looking at anything. Just settling into the sockets and resting. Even the muscles around your eyes can rest. What is that like? When you rest your eyeballs, do you start breathing differently? And then if I were to ask you to think about the smell of coffee, where do your eyes go when you think about coffee and the smell of coffee? Where do they go immediately? If I were to ask you about your morning, what did you do in the morning? Where do your eyes go when you think about that? Just think about it. Go sort of mull out, mull the morning over. And just, just sense what is that like? Try the other side. Yeah, just check. Are you getting more information one way? in terms of recall, or are you getting more information another way? So if you were looking to the left, maybe look to the right. Are you getting more information there or less? Interesting. And then if I were to say to you, what are your plans next week? Where do your eyes go next week? In the future, there's possibilities, all sorts of possibilities. What are you planning? Ah, the eyes go a certain direction. We are moving and thinking all the time together, all the time. And I think that, that when we so when we think about self and self-image, our eyes might go to a certain place. When we think about what we ought to be doing or who we ought to be, our eyes might travel to a certain quadrant because we're reflecting, we're looking at past, we're looking at our interactions with other people in the past. But then if I were to say, what if you were, what if you suddenly became a movie star? <laughs> whatever where would your eyes go you would be looking at a 
different place for possibility. And you could have fun with that, right? You could have fun. You could imagine, oh, if you won, you won the lottery, what would you do with all that money? Where do the eyes go? How do you explore? What do you see? Do you see things? Do you hear things? Is your body telling you? Do you smell things? What sensations come to you? Does language come to you? Do you see yourself doing certain things? So I think that when we play with that internal sense of self, whether we're rolling around on the floor like a baby, or we're, we're doing shavasana and laying in that position uh, after a beautiful yoga class, maybe you could let your eyes wander and think about the possibilities in your life and sort of explore this idea of sense of who you are, sense of self, sense of possibility, that you can be at home in yourself and also be expansive. and not have that box anymore. Yeah. How was that, Kandia? What did uh, you notice? I I notice movement as being like, yeah. Like, I, I feel that we are very transparent that like, maybe I would say like, you could read my thoughts just as just looking where I move my eyes, but actually we read the thoughts of everyone all the time through the way that they are in the world through their movement, according to their self-image. So now it was fascinating to me to to tap like to to this sense of myself. In connection, in complete connection, like yeah, I I thought something and my eyes went that this direction, and then I recalled something unpleasant and they went down this direction. I, well, more or less, but like it was like immediate the the expression and and for some things that I I was like trying to imagine they they didn't came naturally. It was like. Am I allowed to to dream that? <laughs> am, am I allowed to imagine that possibility? And I noticed tension in in my in my neck, and then I was like, "Of course, I own my dreams. Like, <laughs> imagine and go far." But it's like, yeah. And and who is making these choices before wor words? Like, it's very interesting because there was a moment that was like the pure spark of of awareness and the direction and discursive language and words came after so i am fascinating fascinated to discover that like yeah yeah sensation came before the words came uh, yeah sensation and a sense like i i feel that Yes, I am the one who talks, but 
I discern, like I am aware at a level that is previous to the words and like, yes. And that is Absolutely. more connected with movement. And also yeah. realize that pleasure is also in the way of being like, you cannot get detached from pleasure. It's like the eyes simply go unless there's a tension that gets in the way and my eyes, you know, I, I discovered that when you said winning the lottery and then was like, ah, okay, then then that, that dream is possible for me in my imagination. That is something I, <laughs> I may take to, to therapy of why am I, it's easy for me to to dream about the possibility of something if I get the lottery, but not otherwise. And that is like connected with a straightforward tension, like the one you mentioned in, in your low back that you passed out. So it's, ah, it's so empowering to notice mm -hmm. like this ability that we all have to, to choose how do we want to be through our movement in which way we want to be through our movement in the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When we can change, when we can, we can change our, uh, our self image to suit any particular situation too. You know how there are some people who say, well, that's just the way I am. And there's just no other option. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's. You don't have good. any other options. I, I want options. I want to be able to, to decide. To be able to decide. If you have no options, you cannot choose. You cannot decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go to possibility and movement. Yes. Uh, this is fascinating, Maria. Yes. Thank you so much. For. And and I just want to say so so uh, much of it is informed by the work of Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais. You know he he wrote a lot about um, the human condition human and conditions. and self image and how we grow up in the world and how we are and how we have to break out of that mold and become more who we truly are. And we all go through that. I think there. I don't think there's any. There are very few human beings that don't have don't have the experience of breaking out of the shackles of what we're molded into when we are growing up and going to school and all these expectations that are external and not necessarily. I mean, they they help us move along in society. You know, give us our degrees and our numbers and our letters behind our name, but we want to give to the world before we leave. Yes, yes, to share our best, at, at least to be able to to choose the way that we want to be. And the way that we want to be in the world and express ourselves. And why wouldn't we do that fully at will? Why why wouldn't we? I think I think 
that's our birthright to be. Yeah. And, and, and there are opportunities that come up that make it easier. And then there are constraints that make it not so easy. Not so easy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to grab the opportunities. Work. Yes. We have to work within those possibilities and those parameters. That is just the human human experience. But but just knowing, I think it's important for listeners to know that that it is movable and changeable. Yeah. And and to be okay with that. Yeah, movable and changeable. So being at home with your, with yourself doesn't mean to be stuck in four walls. Like you can make home improvements all the time, change the curtains of of the way that you are inside your flesh. Yes. Yes. And if we want to know more on how to do that, do you have a newsletter or website or something? So we could learn more. Yeah, well, I do. I do teach a lot online, but um, most of what when I promote my classes, I do it through my newsletter. Yes. So if people go to my website, uh, my name fariadoctor.com, uh, they can get my newsletter. There's a free there's a free breathing lesson right on my website, and then they'll automatically get added to my list, and they'll hear about any of my classes coming up I, oh. I do a lot of classes around breathing and uh, understanding patterns in breath and improving movement in general by using breath as a as a vehicle to help us move more freely in the world so I, I do a lot of that fantastic so use your breathing to move in a more pleasurable way in the world with the free class that is on Faria's website, that is fariyadoctor.com, correct? That's right. That's, That's right. right. Thank you so much, Faria. It's been a pleasure having you here at the Essential Sessions podcast. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely talking with you. Lovely talking with you. And thank you, Sensualist, for being here. And if you are not subscribed already, go to centrodepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered weekly on your inbox. And until the next Sensual Sessions episode, remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame. <laughs>